0: Good morning. Good, morning. good morning! The Lord be with you. Good so good. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much uh, for this time and we just pray that you would use it. Lord, we thank you so much for the gospel truth that you saw us from a long way off. You saw us in our own uh, rebellion and you loved us and you came to rescue us and you brought us to yourself uh, uh, because you loved us and and that you have um, disciplined us just the right way and you have uh, loved us. And we just ask, Lord, that you would just make that truth sink even deeper into our hearts today uh, in this 40-minute class. And we pray also, Lord, that as it sinks into our heart, that it would uh, flow out from our hearts and especially, Lord, that it would flow uh, to our children, we pray for them. We pray, God, as they for them as they learn in Sunday school now. That we pray that the truth that they are hearing would uh, take root uh, in their little hearts, and that they would know uh, in in all the right ways uh, that that you uh, that they are sinners, and that you have um, taken their shame, and that you have freed them uh, for the life that you have created for them. So we pray for them now, as we pray for ourselves. In the name of Jesus Christ, Amen. Amen. Well, uh, this is uh, part four of four. Grace in the Grind. The subtitle of this class is "Just Keep Swimming, Swimming, uh, Swimming." Uh, from Nemo, we're gonna we'll actually watch that little clip. Uh, but just sort of to to talk about uh, re- recap what what we have said over the last um, the last several times, uh, the last few weeks. Uh, what we have said uh, about our our parenting and about our children is that God is sovereign, and He is sovereign over them, and He is sovereign over us, and He is working all things to the good of those who love those who are called according to His purpose. And that our children's righteousness before God, their standing before God, is not dependent uh, upon their obedience to us, and uh, neither is our righteousness before before God dependent upon their obedience uh, to us. And so uh, that is that is actually incredibly relieving. It's not exactly how we always parent. We we um uh, being a Christian, I think, sometimes complicates things because. Not only do we want them to obey, but but we want them to love God, and we want them to uh, to obey the Lord, and, and we sometimes confuse those and complicate those, and the way it comes out uh, is um, uh, is sometimes muddled, and so. Um, but it actually is a great a great truth that that uh, our children uh, and their standing before the Lord is not dependent upon us. Uh, or their adherence to what we say, and that means that if we when we feel like a failure you know that's that's a lie, and the truth is that they are in the hands of the Lord and then God is going to use their failures and our failures and there are things that we can do to make to be good parents but um, but God has all of that and uh, uh we we do tend to approach parenting from a, a standpoint of law rather than grace um. Uh, law being do this or else do this because I said so, uh, re- sort of reward and punishment, and that's not inappropriate. It's just not the the overarching story. Uh, there are certainly appropriate uses of the, of the law, um, and we and our children need guidance. They need rules, uh, and and so do not ever think that grace is the opposite of of rules. Um, in fact, part of loving our children is giving them. Uh, direction and so um uh, but but what grace says is i let i love you no matter what uh even when and perhaps especially when uh, you break the rules um we talked about a a few things and we're going to kind of go through these a little more uh thoroughly but um i'm using this book and i've been trying to uh, talk about uh, this book is called give them grace it's by elise fitzpatrick and um and we we are in conversation about having Miss Fitzpatrick or Doctor Fitzpatrick, I'm not sure, about her come as a Linton preacher next year. And and part of that is if she's able to come, that there will be opportunities for parents to sort of be in front of her and out of the the preaching the preaching setting. So just like an evening or a morning type thing. And so that I think that'll be a great resource if we're able to do that. But one of the things that she says in this book, which is available in the bookstore. Is that there are there's um there's management and then there's nurture training correcting and promises so there we sometimes we just to manage the situation uh and, and that's important like they're they're going crazy like you just need to put everybody in their corner that's fine you just need to do that um but you need we need to follow that up we nurture the gospel in them we need to train them about how uh, the the gospel is um, what the gospel has to say about this particular situation. We need to correct them when their behavior is wrong, and we need to offer them the promises of God. Now, how can you remember these these uh, management, uh, nurturing, uh, training, correcting, and promises? M um, N T C P. Moms or men need to constantly pray, and that is the truth as well. Moms need to constantly pray. Men need to constantly pray. TCP Management, Nurture, Training, uh, Correcting, and Promises. And at the end, I'm going to give you a sheet that actually has that written on there. So you can put it on your fridge or on your you know, vanity mirror or whatever. And, um, um, uh, the goal for us as parents is to learn to parent uh, in the light of the gospel. To parent in the light of the gospel. Now again, I want to... Uh, to give a caveat, I have to say this every week: Amy and I, we're not experts. We're learning this. This is a we learn from you as much as you learn from us. This is a conversation. This is not a lecture to tell you how great we are and how you do it because we we go through it. We feel like failures a lot of times. A lot of times we I get frustrated. Uh, you know, I have a, I come home and, and I I talk a lot in my job. You know, a lot of my job is talking, and I I would come home at the end of the day. I really I quiet would be nice. <laughs> and And sometimes it's ten o'clock before and it and lights are out um uh, before I get that, so you just you know what you want is what you want is not always what you get and so and what you want to do is not always what you end up doing with your parents you you want to be calm or you want to be you know really rational and loving, and you lose it and so uh you know because they're crazy and <laughs> um and and you know God just. God's mercy is so rich and he just he's just going to take all of that and you don't you don't need to carry the shame for your mistakes any more than they need to carry the shame uh, for their mistakes. Uh just a couple of little videos um and uh and then we'll sort of get back into the into the meat of what we want to talk about this this week. The first I just found it to be a really sort of um let's see we're going to get some signal here. Uh, just a, a good sometimes you just sometimes that advice comes uh... It doesn't quite come like you mean it to oh. sometimes parents will just fail she used to give me good advice too late <laughs> think about it, good advice too late like when I was a kid I hit my head on the corner of the table <laughs> Careful! Imagine kids not whining No screaming fits or squeals When they don't get the toy they want In their happy meals Imagine all parents burning down Chuck E. Cheese God gave me this song. (laughs) Boys, they just make up games like they want to hurt themselves. They do. I'm like out in the backyard one time my son comes out, hey dad! Throw that brick at me and see if I can get out of the way. Hey, okay? Damn, it's called Dodge Brick. Okay? Fling one right at my head. And don't tell me when you throw it. I'll try to listen for the whiz. <laughs> don't you judge me. Because it wasn't until that brick left my hand I was thinking, this is probably not a good idea. <laughs> Careful! (laughs) Uh, So the uh, I just thought that was that was good humor. Um, Actually, I I I don't know if you've ever seen this guy Tim Hawkins. There is a ton of Tim Hawkins on YouTube, and it is hysterical. Mostly clean, and uh, I mean, I think he's a, he's a Christian comedian, and really, I, I spent an extra two hours last night looking for just the right video because it was so good. It's just some really great stuff. Um, sometimes, uh, you know, parenting is is hard, and you just you know you can't stop. You can't stop. And I just I thought I thought of this this video when um, when uh, when I was just thinking about I, I think maybe we were watching it or something. Somebody said it or. I just found it a good reminder. Woohoo! La, 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 la. Just keeps going on, doesn't it? Echo! Echo! Hey, what you doing? It's gone. i lost the mask. Would you drop it? You dropped it! That was my only chance of finding my son. Now it's gone! Hey, Mr. Grumpy Gills. When life gets you down, you know what you got to do? I don't want to know what you got to do. Just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. What do we do? We swim, swim. do no singing. Oh, 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 oh. I love to swim and When you want to swim, you want See, to See, I'm going to get ball. stuck now with that song that it's in my head. Sorry. Do- I, um... Sometimes feel like uh, I can get that light. I'll just put this in front of me. The TV is—I mean, I, I, it's just not a good babysitter anymore. And the um, and the kids are, are broken up in the sixth fight in ten minutes, and and we're out of macaroni and cheese. And I just think. <laughs> Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. <laughs> swimming. Um. How? So to just use that. I mean, how can we? How can we swim? Well, you can't stop, right? I mean, they have to eat, you know. And and um. Like, how how can we swim? How how can we cre- how can we create an environment in which they swim, um, where we are shaping and, and forming. The culture of our household, in such a way that reflects uh, the gospel, uh, so that our household is not just um, ordered or you know deistic, uh, but um, but it's actually Christian, like really, really, in its truest sense. Uh, one thing that Amy is is, is great at uh, reminding me. Uh, is to ask the question um, is is their behavior childishness uh, or foolishness and I, and what I what I mean by foolishness uh, you know, active disobedience um, are they being not i don't mean silly but I, I mean are, are they being sinful are they being actively rebellious uh, are they being childish are they being uh, rebellious and um because if it's, if it's if they're being childish, then um, then there is there's the the problem is with their maturity level. They are not processing this. You know, it seemed like a really good idea to because I needed some pink frosting, which Mom put on the top shelf, and I needed to climb up on top of the hot stove to get it, um, and and put a chair up there. And you know, it's like that seemed, that is really bad judgment. Because they can't process what's going to happen when I, when I fall off. Uh, because we're great parents and they've never done that before. So, um, so that, that is a childish uh, thing. How do we need to approach that? And sometimes we need to, so we, you know, you have that child that you can tell them one time, and man, they're great. Right? You have that child, yeah. <laughs> um, and then but but then there's the real children who that you um, that you have to tell them a lot of times, over and over again, things like that. But but ultimately, it's 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 immaturity. It's, they just weren't thinking. Sometimes they don't have the ability to think that through. Um, sometimes they willfully decide not to think it through, and that may actually lead to the other. Maybe maybe it started as immaturity, but now they really should know. Um, and, and it's it's active disobedience I want the pink frosting that's how I'm going to get it uh, at that point it's sinful how do you treat someone who's being immature how do you treat someone who's being sinful I, I think um, you know bad judgment can be either one of those things Bad judgment can be because they were childish uh, but bad judgment can be uh, because they did not consider what the Lord had for them I, um, I, do, I want uh, what the Lord wants for me, that's how we want our kids to think. I want what the Lord wants for me, and so I'm going to act in this way. I'm going to ask if I can have pink frosting. Um, they they may not learn to ask themselves, what does the Lord want for me in this, if, if they don't see us asking that about of ourselves. What does the Lord want for me in um, this purchasing decision? Do I need... An 83-inch television, or will a 60-inch do? Or um, maybe, maybe I do need one. I'm not. I'm, there's not a more. I'm not making a moral judgment, but but what does the Lord have for me in the mundane things of this this life? What does the Lord have for me when I get mad at my wife? And and so then I. Um, and if, if they see me asking those questions, if that if, if what the Lord wants for me affects how I live my life, that's an envir- That's the environment they swim in. And that helps to shape uh, the culture, but um, you know, for us in our bad judgment, we don't have the childish option, do we? Uh, you know, they 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 might be child being childish, they might be being sinful. For us, we don't really have the option of of childishness. Uh, when we act childish, when I act childish, uh, that is a direct correlation to my sinfulness. Um, now, we might be frustrated with their child their, their uh, childishness. We might be frustrated with their sinfulness, but we don't approach. Uh, it, let me say this. It is not helpful uh, to approach a, a child in their childishness with anger, nor is it helpful to be angry at a sinner for being sinful because they're acting they're acting according to their nature. and it's our job now we're going to be as sinners, we're going to be imperfect in that as well, and sometimes we're going to get upset, and, and that's just how it's going to be. But it is I think um, in in anger, our anger is not going to make the situation better. Um the the way my middle child reacts to things when he's a little bit afraid drives me crazy. He starts whimpering and doing he he actually like makes faces that he saw in some cartoon that he thinks is funny and, and it's it just um but it just try and he starts to, this this sort of whimpering and I don't I don't know, he kinda of cowers which makes me angry, which does not help him come out of that shell. You know, it, it sort of drives him further into it. And uh and yet um you know, so I have, I have to. What I have learned, what I'm learning, what I have to remind myself each time it happens, is that, um, is that my reaction helps him, or or hurts him in that situation. I don't mean his salvation. I just mean it's going to help him uh, in that, um, uh, in that situation. So anger. How can we, uh, how can we approach this situation according to the light of the gospel? I want to take a little bit of a detour. I'm going to read this story, which is in the back. It's a little bit long, but you'll you'll track with it okay. Um, Once upon a time, long, long ago, there was a great king who ruled in perfect happiness over all his kingdom. Because this kingdom was so wonderful, so beautiful, everyone who lived in it was always happy. No one was ever sad. No one ever had to be told to obey because everyone loved the king, and the king loved all his subjects. The wonderful king also had a son whom he loved very dearly. And the son always did whatever his father wanted him to do because he loved his father so much and knew that everything his father wanted him to do was good and would make him really happy. For years and years they lived in utter pleasure and contentment. And then one day the father said to the son, I would like you to have a bride and to know the joy of giving yourself away. Do you want to give yourself like this even though you're perfectly content and happy here? Yes, dear father, I would love to have a bride and to serve her. And so a plan was made. And together the father and the son went to a far corner of their kingdom and chose a bride for the son's joy. But there was a terrible problem in the place where this bride lived. Even though she owed all her allegiance to the great king, she had fallen under the spell of a wicked imposter who hated the king and held her captive. Although her slavery was harsh and brutal, she had foolishly chosen to serve this evil one rather than journey toward the good king in obedience. The more she sought to satisfy the wicked imposter's demands, the more he enslaved her and put terrible, terrible, painful burdens on her back. In her misery, she purposely did things the great king had told her not to do, just to try to prove that she wasn't a slave. At other times she tried to be very good to prove that she really didn't need the king after all. But this disobedience only made her life more miserable, but still she stubbornly refused to send messages to the king for help. But that didn't stop the great king. He loved her any, anyway. And even though she refused to ask him for help, help was already on the way. The beloved son was coming to rescue her. And because he was so wise, the beloved son knew that if he arrived for his bride, arrayed in his royal robes and with his army, his bride would be terrified of him. He also knew that in order to rescue her, he would have to suffer just like she did. And so instead of appearing like a mighty prince on a stallion, he disguised himself so that he looked just like her. His disguise was so good that at first she didn't recognize him. She looked, or he looked, just like any other servant of the evil impostor. But the more she heard what he said and watched what he did, the more she could tell that there was something very different about him. Unlike the wicked impostor, he was gentle and loving. And when she, fa- when she, he was gentle and loving when she failed. When she was with him, she began to feel that there was hope to be free from the wicked impostor's grasp. And in fact, being with him actually started to make her love the great king again. And even though she was changing, she still didn't realize that he was the great king's son. But the wicked impostor knew who the beloved son was. He recognized him because he had known him long ago, before he had rebelled and been evicted from the beautiful kingdom. And so this impostor hated the great king even more and was furious at the thought that he was going to take away his slaves and punish him for his mutiny. And so he schemed to find a way to trap the beloved son and hurt him. At first, the wicked impostor promised the son all sorts of presents if the son would just join him in his rebellion against the great king. But the beloved son refused. He knew that the impostor's so-called presence would only poison him and make him sad. Dark pretender couldn't fool him, so in furious anger he did the most terrible thing that he has ever done. He fooled some of his servants, so they rose up against the sun. He got them to pretend that they were serving the great king, and they accused the sun of saying things about himself and the king that were not true. Of course, anytime he wanted to, the son could have shown them who he really was, but this wasn't a part of the father's plan. No, in the father's plan, the beloved son would have to die for his bride's foolishness and evil. And so the son hid his real power and allowed himself to be mistreated so that she could escape the impostor's grasp. And then the most terrible thing of all happened. The people killed the beloved son. And of course, the wicked impostor fooled them into thinking that they were really serving the great king by doing the terrible thing. And while, while they were foolishly scoffing at his suffering, all the other creatures in the kingdom wept in great sorrow at this scandalous sight. Everything that they had ever known was suddenly changed. The beloved son had been killed. He was dead. Now, in most stories, next would come two words, the end. But this story isn't like other stories. This story is very different. This is the best story that you've ever heard. And you have to remember that this great king owned everything. And he had the power and the right to do whatever he wanted. He wanted his son to be happy with his new bride, even though she had just killed him. And so after a few days, he brought his beloved son back to life again. The beloved son had to take the punishment for all the bad things that his bride had ever done. And his father had taken the record for all the good things that his son had done and give it, given it to his bride. And this was the greatest wedding present that anyone had ever given. All the good went to the bride and all the bad went to the beloved husband. Have you ever heard a story like this before? I think that's that's enough, but uh, it goes on just a little bit more. Of course, it's, a, it's, a, it's just a parable. It's a retelling of, of the gospel story. But the truth is, that, that is our children's story. And the truth is, it is our story. That we are um, we, we were in, enslaved, and in fact we loved the slavery. And we tried to fool ourselves into thinking that we weren't enslaved uh, to the devil, the, to Satan, the wicked imposter. So it's our story, uh, and yet we were rescued from our slavery. Uh, By the beloved Son, Jesus Christ, and He bestowed in His rescue upon Him us, He he bestowed upon us His belovedness, and gave to us, uh, took upon Himself our uh, uh, slavery, and yet He defeated death. If we constantly see ourselves in every situation, at home, and at work, for that matter. with our spouse, with our children, if we constantly see ourselves as one who has been rescued by God Himself, then we are more likely to have compassion on them in their sinfulness rather than anger with them for not being perfect. Now, the reason that I get angry with my kids is because they're not being perfect and that is not convenient for me. Uh, I need for them to be perfect so that I can get what I want. And and it is not rational. Again, I believe that God forgives me for, for my imperfect reaction to their imperfection. Um, and I believe He's going to use that somehow in their life and in my life. But I get mad at them uh, for being imperfect. And, um, and so I have to tell this story... And Amy has to tell this story, and you have to tell this story to yourselves over and over again every day. You have to preach the gospel to yourself, and when we tell it, uh, and then uh, we tell it to our kids in such a way that it transforms every instance uh, in uh, in our parenting and in our relationship with our spouse. Um, and what we learn is that disobedience causes pain that's a gospel truth and we see it in our own lives we see it in our kids lives disobedience causes pain and obedience leads to freedom obedience leads to freedom now of course whether they disobey or they obey neither one of that affects um, our love for our children or our acceptance of our children and frankly it shouldn't accept our love and our acceptance of of our spouse because they're a sinner too I get mad at Amy for not being perfect, and that only—I mean, that one time that it was—it was, yeah. Um, uh, it was, um, but I, the reason that I would want her to be perfect is because I want what I want. I'm not perfect. How does the gospel? How does the story? If we continue to tell it over and over ourselves and get really, really familiar with it, how does it affect? Our parenting. I'm just going to give a couple of examples, of what I think about that, and then we'll, if we have time, we're going to come up with some more examples, and, and ask the question: How does the gospel affect that? What about when our daughter wants to dress inappropriately to impress boys? How does the what does the gospel have to say about that? Well, she's already been loved and won by her true Prince, and she she cannot be accepted any more than she already is. By the way, she sees that most clearly in her relationship with her dad. That's the way that it is uh, most obvious to her over a long period of time. But when we talk to her just in that moment, we can relay that gospel story. Now, listen, if she's a teenager, she may hide that little skirt in her bag and run out the door and change when she's around the corner. Relaying the gospel story doesn't mean that she's going to say, oh my gosh, you're right, and obey. It doesn't mean that, but what it means is that you're you're continuing to water the water the ground, and that God is going to use that uh, sometime in her life. What about when our we're going away to you're going to visit your parents, but our kids don't want to visit with their grandparents. They want to go off. And they want to just play Wii, you know, the whole time, and 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 playstation or whatever. And um, what does the gospel have to say to that? Rather than saying you will because. You, you, because you're afraid what your mom's going to think. Um, <laughs> it never happens in my, in my family. Um, um, our kids are part of a much, a story that is much bigger than themselves. In fact, it's a story of generations that has led up to this point. And so, and so when they see that the, the gospel story is, is their story, it's, they're part of a story that's much bigger than themselves. There's, there's other players involved, and in fact, they have been rescued. Uh, they uh, Let's hear what grandma and grandpa have to s- the stories they have to tell. Ask them about when they were kids. And it actually, uh, they can kind of see themselves, seeing a child, in fact an adult, seeing themselves as small is a really good thing. We want to build our kids up, but we also want them to stay small and not just four. You know, they, we want them to, to know that they are a small part of something much bigger than themselves. Um, what about uh, within the last twelve hours, when they are so tired that all they can do is just whine, I don't want chicken nuggets, and I don't want that. Like I mean, you just oh my gosh, you know, I just get it together. You know, it doesn't help. Um, the only thing I can say is that I, when I look to the Father who has rescued me, that I. I have to think that this this is this must be how I look to the father when I am mad at my kids because I'm not getting what I want um, and and when I can see myself in that role as the one who's just it just gives me a little more compassion and I can you know I can say it's really not the most important thing in the world for me um, that you eat chicken nuggets right now. You know, like let's just go to bed, and and that just helps me. I mean, I, I don't. You you want to add into this because I feel like I'm talking about me a lot. But but do you want to add anything to to this, honey? Do you? Um. I, I don't. I don't. Like I don't mean to just be talking about. I'm. I'm. I mean, because I know. You, I mean, we, we both work on this stuff. It, it, it's not. Do you have anything that you want to add to that? Yeah. I mean. No, you're, you're doing... Okay. <laughs> Give me a second. Yeah. Okay. Um. What What does the guy when your kid comes home and they lie about their grades? What is does... um? I mean your neighbors' kids. Uh, when, um. Okay. So they think, what does the gospel have to say about the situation when your kids lie about their grades? They think that their perfection is going to please their king. But in fact, they're already loved. They're already loved. And so, uh, they're loved through their faults. And actually, what that love of their king does, they don't have to lie about it because it actually frees them to do their best. But they're afraid of the consequences. And so, they lie. And so, what they need to know is that no matter what, the consequence is not going. That's not going to change the fact that they are loved. And they need to have that firm foundation, and that's built over a long period of time in lots of instances like this. Now, that being said, um, if they have trouble with initiative, it might be appropriate to have a reward system. Um, a reward system may may be appropriate. Uh, it's never to achieve love, but it's to train uh, in initiative, so that the in, in the end the, pri- the, the prize isn't the goal. The reward system it, that's not the goal. The the goal is the achievement itself. Okay. So so you may want to if they ha- feel like they have to lie, they're underachieving, and they feel like they need to lie about their grades. May, we may want to do something to improve that situation for them. The, uh, and by the way, you're grounded for the weekend because you lied. I mean that that you're not allowed to do that, and so there's consequences. Disobedience causes pain. Obedience actually frees, uh, leads to freedom. Um, but you know, it's great. It's actually going to be great that you're grounded because we can spend some time together. Awesome. Um, <laughs> they're, they're not. Gonna, they're not going to. They don't want to spend in that moment. They don't want to spend any time with you. They're mad because you took their iPhone away or whatever it is that you did, and, and, and they're grounded. But let's just go get some ice cream. Let me just talk to you about how it's going. And if it's not the greatest conversation, that's okay. But you use use their being grounded at, to be positive. I mean, there has to be there has to be consequences. You lie, you're not allowed to do that. Grace is not the opposite of having rules. Um, what happened? What does the gospel say when they get in a fight? Um, you can come to them. I mean, you have to manage. You know, go to their corners. But I know what it is to have to want to have my own way. And sometimes when I don't get my own way, buddy, I I get really angry about that. And f- like physically, I want I want to do that. But I have to remember that God is in control of me not getting what I want. And so um, He wants me to love my neighbor. And and that's hard. But God is in that, and He loves us. And I can love my neighbor who is. Taken me off because God first loved me, and you know maybe there's a consequence for getting a fight. Maybe there's not. I mean, sometimes the fight is enough consequence, and sometimes it's not. I mean, sometimes they are a bully, and you need to work on that. Um, let's take two, maybe two, depending on our time, two or three. Just what does the gospel have to say about giving me a hypothetical situation that you've witnessed from your neighbor next door <laughs> that? Um, <laughs> That you would like to have some ministry time with them. What, um, what, what, what is the, where does, what, what is another situation? So I've just given five quick situations. What does the gospel have to say about what situation? Defiance. Defiance. What does the gospel have to say about when my children, look me in the eye and willfully disobey. Well, the first thing that I would say, and I'm just spitballing here, um, the first thing that I would say is that uh, that I have looked God in the eye and I have willfully defied Him and He loved me anyway. Now, there may have been consequences to that defiance. And so, I'm going um, to let that situation... Um, care, I'm going to let my child walk down the road that they're choosing, and they know that if they are willfully defiant, then there are going to be consequences. And if that makes them angry and they're more defiant, there are going to be more consequences. And I, but because I, because I as a parent am totally uh, whole in Christ, and because I've actually I'm I'm actually in prayer as this whole thing is going on and asking the Spirit to guide me and saying I don't know what to do, Lord, you're going to have to take this. You're... You're open to the movement of the Holy Spirit because you've preached the gospel to yourself over and over. In that moment, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to say, I don't need to let my temper get out of control. And I love you. And I I want you to stop walking down this road of defiance because you're hurting yourself. But I have to show you the consequences for this defiance. And so you keep choosing. You're choosing it. You got you. You're already up to three spankings. You're making this choice. You're making this choice. Oh, that's four. You're making this choice. Please stop. I love you. I, I hate this. Um, so that's why I would I would say that. Um, and again, I, it's not like I've I've done this and man, it's borne a lot of fruit. I'm learning. I'm learning. All right, right. Okay. One maybe one more. One more sort of situation. Obsession with. Hmm. What does the gospel have to say? <laughs> Let's see what you can do with that one. <laughs> well, why do you... Uh, hmm. I I think what the gospel has to say about that is that we have all that we need in Christ. And that we our hearts are drawn uh, to other things. In fact, we have sort of addictive personalities. And... Um, and it's not that God hates electronics, uh, but that He knows what's best for us, and He wants that. And so we're going to limit electronics so we can value them um, when we have them, and so we can allow our, our hearts to be given to the things that they really should be given to. So, uh, but we don't need them. We want them, but we don't need them because we have all we need in, in Christ. Now, you'll, you'll look like a cheese ball when you say that to your... Uh, <laughs> But you know what? You're not their friend. You're, you're their parent. Um, you can be friendly, but um, it, there's n- you never need to be ashamed of sowing gospel seeds uh, in their life. And, and actually, if you're protecting them and protecting the development of their mind, you're, you're loving them. And so, you know, it, you don't need to cut it off completely, but, but to limit it and say, we are we are going to have one hour of screen time. And that's just how our lives are going to work, and we're going to be happy. It might—it's going to take some growing pains at first, and they're not going to lie. To that we're going to, we're going to work towards an hour, whatever it is. Um, but but we're going to use that time to see what God would have for us. I don't—I don't know what that looks like. It's hard though. I mean, it really is hard, for sure. All right, um, I'm going to give these out. This I've got probably enough—50 copies. Um, just some questions. To ask yourself it's not things to memorize. Um, and I may have given you more than you need here. I'll, give, damn, damn, I'll put this in the back. It's not things to, to memorize, but just to ask yourself. Um, and these are mostly out of uh, Fitzpatrick's book. Some of them I've reworded a little bit. Um, I mean, but, and by the way, I don't just love everything she has to say. I think it's really good, but you just have to adapt it to your own situation. If you if you do, I would recommend it, but you have to adapt it. Uh, I want to um, just finish. And I'm at time, but I want to finish with Psalm... Just read over all of us. Psalm 103. I just receive this as a parent who, like every other parent, struggles to be a parent. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, The Lord is merciful and gracious. He is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will He keep His anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love towards those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does He remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear Him. I invite you just once again to turn to your neighbor and, and get to know him just a little bit. Just a little bit. And If you've got to go to Church 11, that's get up and go. But, uh, and, and just share a prayer request. Uh, for your kids and for, or for you as a parent, and, um, and and pray for, pray for each other right here, and then pray for them throughout the week. Thanks so much. I really enjoyed this class, and and I hope it's been a benefit to you. Thank you. Mm-hmm.